Welcome to the Strategy Mom Podcast. Tune in for everything you need to know to stay in the know regarding the automotive industry. Here's your host, Jason Harris. Hey, 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 what's going on, Podcast Nation? It is Jason Harris here, and thank you for joining me on another episode of Strategy Mob. Today, I have a very exciting guest, all the way from the other side of our pond. Pond? Pond. Yeah, sure, we'll call it a pond. Pond. We can call it pond. <laughs> I have the, the oh-so-famous Mr. Simon Boquette in the house. Simon, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. No, thank you for uh, the opportunity to come along and jam with you. Looking forward to it. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk a little bit about the now. We're going to talk a little bit about the future. And we're just going to have a good time. That's really what we're going to do today. Hey, but before we do that, though, I love starting off these podcasts with a little origin story because I'm always so fascinated how we kind of got our way into the industry. And I always find they're pretty entertaining stories. And, and And I bet you probably have one of your own. So let's start there. What is the origin story of Simon Boquette getting into the automotive industry? Yeah, probably a good place to start because uh, I know now that some of your uh, listeners in Canada were saying, what accent is that? It's all over the place. Now, I actually grew up in Australia. Um, I've uh, been in the UK since 95. I've been here so long that I've even bred to English people. So if I phone home, <laughs> my own mother will call me a, a POM, which is a slang name for an English person in Australia. Um, the people in Australia, they're listening to me now thinking, nah, he's definitely English. He's definitely <laughs> English. But uh, my baptism of fire in the motor trade was um, work experience. Um, I'm sure you have work experience. Mm-hmm. I wanted to be a technician. Well, back then they were called mechanics, Jason. <laughs> so I was 16 years old. I uh, did two weeks work experience working on the cars. But this was in Townsville, North Queensland, uh, in December, which is hot, other side around <laughs> the world, okay? And I'm sweating my bits off, jet washing, land cruisers and hireluxes. Um, it was a horrible, horrible thing. There was one lovely old guy. He was going out for a... Um, for a meal with his wife for an anniversary or a birthday or something like that. And we're scrubbing his hands so much, Jason, they're almost bleeding. Oh, no. He turned around and he said, you know what, lad, this is what you got to look forward to for the rest of your life. You'll Ooh. never get the grease out from underneath your fingernails. Okay. So I got to the end and I decided, you know what, I don't want to be a mechanic anymore. And it was as probably as shallow as this. I noticed that... All the technicians, I I may offend some people here if I do, that's not my intention, (laughs) but I noticed all the mechanics were sweating their bits off all day in a hot tin shed, driving clapped out old cars um, that that didn't work that properly, getting grease under their fingernails. And bear in mind, I was a 16-year-old boy. didn't have that good-looking wives and girlfriends. Now, when you're a 16-year-old boy, you notice stuff like that. Yeah, didn't have that James Bond look at all. Exactly. Now, the James Bond looked, I noticed on the other side of the dealership, all the flash salespeople were suited and booted in air-conditioned offices, in brand-new cars that were given them to drive, the fuel paid for, and they had better-looking wives and girlfriends. There's one guy, uh, Michael, I remember, she was a glamour. So anyway, I got to the end of it, and um, the the person yeah. who I, I'd gone through the work experience, he interviewed me and said, so how did you get on? Because, of course, the gig was, if they liked me and I liked them, uh, the gig was I got to be an apprentice technician. 
And he said, uh, so do you want to be an apprentice technician? I said, you're just like, no, honestly, <laughs> no, no, thank you. And Jason, he just went, oh, and there was that uncomfortable silence, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the one. And I felt like I had to fill it with something. Okay. I, um, I, I, he, I had to say something because he was just, oh, and said nothing. So I turned around and said, but how do you get a job on that side of the business? Now, he admired my ballsiness or what he thought was my ballsiness. And he said, ah, a man of my own heart. You want to be a car salesperson? Hey, listen, why don't we put you on as a cadet ship to be a cadet car salesperson, which was 12 months of making the teas and coffees, taking people for a drive, nice. um, do, doing all the stuff when I was uh, this cadet salesperson. And that's how I started the motor trade um, 30 years ago. So uh, as a 17-year-old, uh, right, and i got to tell you, I've been in it since then. Love it. Absolutely love Once it. Once it gets in your blood, you just can't get it out. Um, you know, I, you I, I, I sold my it. dealership about six years ago, and everybody just assumed I was going to get out of the business at that point. And mm-hmm. it just didn't happen. I, I was I, I wasn't even two months before I was like, no, I'm going to go full force with an agency and I'm just going to work with dealers, but I'll work on the other side of the fence. So you, you, you've had the opportunity to work now on both sides of the fence, both the, the vendor side and yeah. on the dealer side. And, and you've been in the business longer than I have. You, you've seen a lot of things change already in our industry, not including this mystical year of 2020. Um, <laughs> mystical but, year. You know, look, I, I, I consult with our dealerships. You do too. You know, we, we always have contingency plans for a lot of different things in our business. I don't think anybody... <laughs> a contingency plan for this. I mean, I remember going through the recession in 2008 and, mm-hmm. you know, putting out a plan that, you know, would be like, okay, well, what happened if something like this? And, you know, things started to drop, drop off after six to six to 12 months. No one expected two weeks. <laughs> I don't think anybody had a plan for that. So it's changed our industry a lot. Mm. Yeah. And I would love to kind of kick off today's you know kind of in-depth conversation is from giving from your thoughts because you've been in the business for so long you've seen both sides of the fence you know how do you see the industry has changed you know because of this pandemic well let's have a look at the pandemic and and what happened back in um february march time and i can remember as a business um we went to the nada conference nada uh for the last 20 years i've gone to uh, always I was, pick up I some was good there, ideas there the exact same and it, the wasn't that pandemic trippy? was we, around we, it was like people were talking about it because that was that was late that was late february it people, was like, like people were talking about it but then you didn't really hear much about it it was just like some people were concerned but nothing was there i mean there was yep. 10,000 plus people at that at that event and yep. then I flew home and it was like <laughs> yeah yeah well I mean we just got home at the right time we had some clients that uh, we're going to meet up from Australia and they cancelled because of the pandemic and I can remember thinking hold on this is like SARS we've been through this before it'll be okay and um, at, at Las Vegas uh, I seen mm-hmm. one person walking through the Bellagio with a mask on and I can remember naively now thinking, hold on, that's a bit over the top. It's not that bad. <laughs> but you're right. By the time we got home at the end of that conference, I tell you what, it, it just hit. And I've got to say in our business, Simcoe Training, we've been um, 
Uh, we're primarily a sales training uh, and sales management training organization based in the UK. So mm. uh, that is our bag. That's what we've been doing for the last 20 years. And Jason, I've always said that our business has been a bit recession proof. Uh, 08, 09, when the world yep. went to shite, um, it was our, one of our best years because when the dealers are struggling a bit, that's when they call us in and our team in. Okay. But this was different because definitely in Europe, I know you guys have had lots of this, but we went into a full lockdown. Yep. As in, you can't sell cars. Okay. You can't do anything. You have to full lockdown, even servicing of the car. Mm -hmm. If it was um, someone's working for the National Health Service, something like that, um, there's a few things that we could do for the National Health Service people. But even that, it was very, very limited. And consequently, the dealers, we just couldn't go in and do stuff. Now, having said that, as a business owner, um, thankfully, we have a whole lot of digital sales training products. um, And a lot of our clients use that time to not complain, but to train their salespeople. Mm -hmm. But after that, Jason, something funny happened. When the world opened up again, definitely in the UK, and... uh, the dealers were flying. There was definitely yes. this pent-up demand. Yeah, uh, there was kind of this, cars like a, this sense was, of, of success, but it, like, almost a false sense of success, right? Uh, like It actually uh, scared me a little bit because I, I'm with you. I'm like, you know, during the closures, um, there were still a fair amount of dealerships that were communicating with customers. Yep. And yep. Um, depending on where you were in the world or in the country, all right, you, you could operate by appointment only, some were completely closed. So there was there was a mixed bags of things. But what I saw is I saw an industry that doesn't typically change. You've been in the business yeah. long enough. You know how this is. <laughs> like we're not known for changing yes. overly quick. Literally within a four-month period, change and adapt in such a huge monster way. So I have to applaud our industry because I I guess sometimes I get I get crap because I, I have a very tough love feel for our industry. Yes. <laughs> it's like but I have to yeah. applaud it. We actually we, we changed the way that we communicated and we were so open to the way that we'd done business in the past. It was like it's our way. You need to do it our way. You have no other yeah. way. Now all of a sudden we have like three different ways three different ways to do that. But man, we, we really got forced to change things incredibly but, fast but the things were already there you've got very, clients very who true. were great at digital okay but the digital department was over in the corner mm-hmm. okay and the sales manager uh, that's the digital guys they they just give away charlies we would say the the giveaway <laughs> charlies but now the dealership is the digital department <laughs> okay yeah, the uh, actually sales. we need to all embrace this um and, and going back to the dealers and we're absolutely flying. Mm-hmm. But you know what? When you sell lots of cars, it hides problems. Oh, 100%. Okay? Uh, it was almost like shooting fish in a barrel. Mm-hmm. The whole sales process, definitely in the UK, after the lockdown opened up. Now, we had a lot longer lockdown, I think, than other places in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I speak to my uh, brother and mother. They're in Queensland, Australia. And they never gone into a lockdown and when we go through some of the restrictions we've had that they just can't get their head around it but what happened over here is the whole sales process went into hey is that used car available no it's sold sorry okay what about this one is that available no it's sold <laughs> what about this one no it's sold so the customers learned very quickly that 
I need to get onto the next car and I need to secure that order. So the process went from instead of saying, does that Q5 have the heated steering wheel? I really wanted that. That 260,000 miles on it, that's far too much to, I'll take it. I'll take it. (laughs) So consequently, we had lots of salespeople. And by the way, I am a salesperson. Please don't take it wrong way. But we had lots of salespeople shortcutting the process. Mm We had lots of salespeople, hey, didn't need to go through a process because it's, is it available? I'll take it. Is it available? I'll take it. And the world was flying. Um, If you look at the results, the big dealer groups have actually uh, posted. I mean, they've had great, great times. But there's something that I, I always notice with dealer groups, dealerships, even sales department. When things are going really, really well, we're quick to pat ourselves on the back. Hey, Jason, oh, oh, okay, we well do this. Done. We do this so often. This is sensational. <laughs> like, you know what I call it? I call it um, I call it full belly syndrome. Ah, full belly syndrome. You, you, you uh, know what? Like, yeah, uh, look for for a lot of our U.S. counterparts right now. Today's Thanksgiving for them. Um, yeah. So you know, I always kind of think of it. You know, you, you know, after you know, after you're a real big meal, and you're just. And you just you're gonna sit on the couch, you're gonna relax, you're just gonna you're gonna veg out and you know watch watch TV, and it becomes this full belly. Like I don't need to continue to yep. push, but you know, both of us have, have had the opportunity to be in some incredibly successful dealerships, and yep. one of the key ad- identifiers of being an incredibly successful dealership is that they never have this full belly syndrome. They're not always talking about what they have done; they always consistently talk about what they could have done. You know, that, that, that gap in between. Do you find that to be true as well? Yeah, let's, let's go back slightly for a second, if I may. Mm-hmm. So we're quick to all pat ourselves on the back when we've done well, okay? But then when things are really bad, we always blame the market. Oh, it's the market's crap. Oh, yes. The market's crap. But Jason, I would argue it can't be both, okay? It can't be that when things are brilliant, I'm sensational, full belly. When things are crap, it's the market. Actually, it's got to be us. And mm-hmm. you talked about the change. The dealers that really have done well now are the ones that embraced digital, were already doing digital, mm-hmm. still trained their whole team um, to turn them into the digital department, and they've actually just ramped up doing what they've always been doing. They're the ones now, when the tap's just starting to get turned off a bit, they're still doing all right. The guys that the process went out the window because they didn't need it, hey, they're the ones that we're starting to get the calls from saying, hey, listen, we're ready for you again. Can you come in and do a, a, a VIP weekend? Can you come in? We need prospecting done. Our guys, we need to retain profit. We're giving it all away. <laughs> um, it, it's the basics, the basics that uh, the dealers weren't doing. Well, and, and I think that's kind of what fundamentally has shifted our business. I think some mm. of those basics are going to have to evolve you know look, I'll, I'll give you an example and of course i want to get your thoughts on this too right is the dealer's expectation on how we communicate with them has elevated in a way that i don't think we could ever go backwards now right like, yeah like the customer expects that we can communicate them communicate with them in the digital format that they want, not the ones we choose, but whatever they want. They want text message, they want Facebook Messenger, they want LinkedIn, we, 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 we communicate their way. I don't necessarily think that uh, customer expectation is going to change moving forward. I think it's just gonna to continue to stay that way. What's your thoughts? 
Yeah, you know what? Um, the technology can change in a heartbeat, mm-hmm. but human nature does not. The ways that people feel like they've got a good deal 10, 20, 30 years ago is still the way that people feel like they have got a good deal now. Good point. Uh, we talk about the fundamentals as to why anyone buys. There's, there's four key fundamentals. The fundamental of comparison. That's why people want to shop around, okay, to feel like they've got a good deal. Back when I started, they'd shop around in the three or four dealers in the local town. Now, through Google, they just shop around all across Queensland if they want, mm-hmm. all across Ireland. The next fundamental is value. Now, you know the value scales. There needs to be more value built in the product and the service to get the amount of money they spend to balance. There's the fundamental of scarcity. If there's any scarcity, people tend to want it because it's a scarce diamonds, for example. And, of course, urgency. So those fundamentals haven't changed for a long time, but the technology has. So now people can satisfy their fundamental need for comparison through technology, just doing a lot more shopping around. Mm -hmm. They got their value worked out themselves because they've done, what, 19 hours and 42 minutes of research before they've got to us. Um, They can actually, that scarcity, um, in fact, it's all the information. When I first started selling cars, and some of your listeners might remember this, the good old advice, listen, don't give the customer what they want until you get what you want, okay? Isn't, listen, isn't that, isn't when the customer so emails in and says, can you tell me, <laughs> is the car available? And so what's your best price? No, we don't deal with an email. You just say, you, just, you want your best price, you need to call me. You got, you got to come. Okay? It is, it's, this, it's, this, it's this constant back and forth tug of war of control. The yeah. customer wanted to be in control. The dealership wanted to be in control. And it was yeah. just this, this back and forth. And I, I feel like what I'm seeing right now, some of those successful dealerships, you know, during this time frame right now has kind of let the customer take more control or at least yes. the perception of more control. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I, I think the perceptions, they do have more control. Mm-hmm. Uh, listen, 30 years ago, the only way someone could get a price on the new car was having to come in and speak to us. Every customer's done a, gone online to the manufacturer, okay, or sorry, the OEM. Mm-hmm. By the way, Jason, that snuck up on me. When did <laughs> manufacturers get called OEMs? It sort of snuck up on me on the last sort of eight years. But you I, know don't, I don't know when it is. Doing, well, you know what's funny know. too? Like it's, things change over time. Like I, I don't know when like opportunities turned into like leads. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, 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 like someone like filling out a form on a site, you know, like I remember, you know, cause it was one of my first, one of my first management level jobs in the business is I was a internet, no director of internet operations because they didn't mm-hmm. even have a title at the time. They just like, whatever this thing is, you just, you go deal with it. Right. And we counted them as form fills and submissions. And then somewhere down the line, we changed into leads yeah, sorry, I digress, but <laughs> no, so we, we could digress we all that. the time. Hey, when did growing your business turn into how to scale? Exactly. Uh, when did when to when you had to change to deal with the demands of the current market turn into let's pivot the business? So we <laughs> could talk one. about that all day long. How these things um, evolved over time. There. Well, you know um, what? It, it's it's not just the dealership and the way that we are operating our dealerships uh, evolved during this time frame. It's a salesperson. And again, I've seen, 
I hate to say it, I'm going to say it more like a 50-50 split of, of salespeople that have fundamentally changed their yeah. approach to, you know, letting the customer be in more control and understand that they actually, to your point, is actually kick it back old school and actually create a relationship versus just a transaction. And I feel like customers now want to connect before they just dive right into the transaction. And I'm seeing like a 50-50 split out there right now. We can salespeople adopting to that current model of what we need to do to sell a car. Your thoughts? Yeah, listen, I believe there's always going to be three sales in any sale. Mm-hmm. Jason, you need to sell yourself first, the product second, and then the deal. Okay, If we're going to buy a suit and we went in to buy the suit, and the suit salesperson said, oh, hold on, it's close to closing time. You need to come back next week. You know what? I'm going to find another suit salesperson. I hate to say it, but Then we need to right? sell. Uh, after we sold ourselves, we need to sell the product. Mm-hmm. If all they had was pink and purple polka dotted suits, all just in extra, extra large, it doesn't matter how cheap they are. Okay, <laughs> it's not going to work. Then we need to sell the deal. And you hit the nail on the head for me. I find that some sales departments are trying to sell the deal first, the deal second, the deal third. Right. We've got customers saying, hey, what's your best deal, best deal, best deal. But we always have. And it, it goes back into the digital inquiries. So many of our salespeople want to speak to the customer to try and build some rapport. And so many times when you look at the digital response, now, we've got access to videos. Um, there's so many companies out there from see it now, videos to Car360 oh, and so much technology, technology to, to get really, to, to really But so many customers. times sales departments are saying, car's available, call me. You want to know the best price? Call me. Want to know what your car's worth? Call me. You want to know the finance rates? Call me. But if the customer wanted to call, we all know they would have picked up the phone. What we need is salespeople need to understand how to engage with the customer and give the reasons why the customer wants to pick up the phone and get to us. So that whole digital response. Value, right. It, Bring it them more needs value. to be the, the WhatsApp generation. It's like mm. I say something, you say something. I say something, you say something. Let's do all the meet and greet and qualification before they get here. Let's not just go down the, ah, hold on. My only job is to make an appointment on the phone. Once I made the appointment, <laughs> then I start my sales process. Bollocks to that. The sales process starts now digitally, right from the beginning. No, it, it's so true. You know, it's funny because I've been saying that for years. I mean, you know, I remember when my dealership first got their first website, right? Yeah. And, and, and I, I tried to explain to them that the first impression that the customer is going to have of you as a business is going to be this thing. And boy, did they like, okay, whatever. Okay, you, you're <laughs> that computer kid. Can you just... Go sit over there. Um, but, but, but it's so funny to watch how much has changed. I mean, I remember I had a dealer principal look me right in the face and literally say this whole internet thing was a fab. And it, it's, it's don't worry about this. Like, no, my, sales, my, my customers come into the dealership. They want to come in and do this. But no, so, so, much, so much has changed. Now, I'm kind of curious, though. You know, there's so much change right now as far as our industry mm. and the salesperson has changed so much just for right now. You know, look, if we had this conversation a year ago, I think my conversation around what the future was going to look like would be considerably different than what I think it's going to look like now. This COVID's kind of pulled back this whole additional layer of going, hmm, 
maybe that's not such a crazy idea. <laughs> so yeah. I would love to kind of get your thoughts as an industry. You know, how, how do you see the industry kind of moving forward in the future? Yeah, great question. And um, to answer, I'm going to go back slightly again. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and this I need to credit uh, um, Joe St. John from Autofy. Um, I was at guy. the NADA conference and he just shocked me. He talked about if you're going to invest $1,000 in Amazon, Apple, Facebook, or Google, he asked us, you know, which one of those do you think you'd do better by investing the $1,000? And you know what? It wouldn't be Apple, okay? It was Amazon. No surprises there. Mm-hmm. You had Tesla into the mix, okay? And your $1,000 into Tesla, you would have done a lot better. Now, bear in mind, this was in February. But then he said, okay, those first four companies, there's one company that's outstripped them completely. I mean, the $1,000 in Amazon would be worth about six or $7,000 if you invested something like 15 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, Tesla, and now this was February, $1,000 would be something like $14,000. Mm-hmm. Hey, listen, <laughs> um, that's gone up a lot just in the last week. They're in the uh, okay. 500 now, so that's definitely going to change. But the company he was talking about was Domino's Pizza. If you invested $1,000 in 2004 into Domino's Pizza, that would now be worth $56,000. Again, that was in February. Outstripped those first four companies total. You think, hold on, they're a pizza company. Mm -hmm. There's not even the best pizza in the world. How have they done it? And he said, and I think he's hit the nail on the head for this, they've really embraced clicks and bricks. It's a traditional bricks company, but the motor trade is a traditional bricks company. But they've really embraced through the app. And you'll know the app, Jason. Oh, yeah. uh, you order the, the, the pizza. You can see when it's in the oven, where it's cooked, where the guy's on the moped. It's there. People have information. People are desperate for that information just on a pizza. So they're desperate for information on the pizza. Of course, they're desperate for information on their car. And um, I I really think you ask where where we are now, that's probably where we are. Mm -hmm. Where's the future? Is there a place for car salespeople? The dealers listen to this. Do you need car salespeople or can you just build a Carvana uh, vending machine? (laughs) Yep. Well, you know what? I think we're always going to be there because I'll tell you something. Jason, they currently have planes that can take off, do the whole flight, and land without the pilot touching a single control. But are you ready to get on a plane without a pilot sitting up the front? Now, <laughs> I'm no chance. <laughs> now, maybe our kids will be. Okay? No, but that's but a good stage, point, though. I think we will always need kind of someone in the driver's seat so that there's a level of confidence. Um, you know, it's funny, we were talking about NADA and when I was in Las yeah. Vegas, I had a chance to uh, take one of those autonomous taxis. Did you? Yes, check? yeah, I didn't do it, but I, I okay. did it. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm hook, line and sink. You know, when that tech is available and where it should be, I'll, I'll be glad to be yep. one of the first people to go out and buy one because it, it was, I could see so much value, so much value and just not having to be behind the steering wheel of it. But, but as far as our industry goes, 
I think there is a lot to be questioned. I mean, it's not all the way down to the way that the salesperson is structured within the dealership, the way the salesperson, like what role does the salesperson have? I'm working with the dealership right now uh, that mm -hmm. I'm doing some consulting with where they've split the sales role into an experience manager and a transaction manager. One person okay. that's solely dedicated to just really, really happy experience, make sure the customer is just get every everything that that customer wants is given to them. And then when they're ready at a certain point, hand it over to a transaction. Ah, that was interesting. I've seen, I, I'm seeing other models now where we're seeing hybration or high, bringing both salesperson and F&I manager together. I think there's a lot of other models out there. Again, we're just, we're trying to meet the customer and build confidence. I, to your point, I wonder if there's a model where a salesperson doesn't exist at all. Yeah, I think we're going to exist. I really do think we're going to exist. But I do believe the uh, salesperson doing the back and forth, running to the F&I manager, running to the sales manager, running there. You know what? Those days are done. Uh, mm -hmm. I, I really do believe that um, uh, call them a transaction manager, a retail manager. There's so many different names there. But we need the people to be able to give the customer how much month it's going to cost, uh, what I'm getting from my car, um, have all the details to make the decision quickly. This back and forth, back and forth. Uh, listen, a lot of your dealers have already realized that before COVID-19, that that wasn't the future. Okay. And I'm certain that's that's definitely already started to happen. Um, what we're, I, I think, going forward there, um, we're always going to be involved because you know what? People still need people for that trust. When the, uh, the when it hits the fan, when something goes wrong, they're still going to want people there. Call us salespeople. That's I a, think a, really a lot point. of the manufacturers, the OEMs, mm -hmm. uh, will probably want to look at an agency model. Uh, on your side of the pond, I don't know how that's working. Uh, lots of talk about it over here. Uh, I know that um, New Zealand, uh, Toyota, I believe it is, has already gone down an agency model. Um, and again, with an agency model, hey, listen, that's the price of the car. You get the handling fee to deliver the car. I think with that, uh, a lot of the manufacturers will be going for the, hey, that's the price of the car. They've got that fixed price approach they want. Uh, be interesting to watch the space, but I can see lots of manufacturers looking at that agency model there. From a dealer's point of view, Quite interesting. If I don't, uh, an agency model, if I don't have to have all that stock, expensive stock uh, on my books, it, it might be a, quite an interesting uh, approach there. So be interesting to see how that one plays out. Yeah, no, I, I think there's, it, it, they're definitely heading in that direction. You know, in my head, I, I fight back and forth, right? You know, because on the agency side of me, I agree with you. I think streamlining the entire process, you know, where it's, 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 not far off different than just ordering your pizza through an app, mm -hmm. yeah. you know, but then, then the other side of me, because just being in the trances and selling cars for such a long time is like, no, I mean, the best part of, of selling cars for me was, was connecting with people and, yeah. and creating those relationships. And I, I, I've seen dealerships walk down the path of digital retailing to the point where they wanted, I mean, they can, they actually can do the entire process completely online. And then it, I, one side of me, I'm like, woohoo, that's pretty cool. And then the other side of me, I'm like, well, wait a second, wait a second. Like, we got to connect because now we're just kind of we're, we're we're saying transaction selling is not is not a great thing for our for our business as far as retention goes. But then we'll say, well, the tech, well, this the tech that's out there is going to lead us to transaction. So I guess my question is, is what do you think the middle ground is? 
between connecting well, I, as a person and I, using again, technology. Well, uh, the, the technology, it does change in a heartbeat there. And people mm-hmm. can get all this information and it's transactional. But I still believe that customers, even though they've got all this information, they want to put the call into just for the confirmation that's right. Let me give you an example, okay? We deal with, um, um, in the UK, we've got a dealership uh, used car operator that's just opened up this year called Kazoo. Mm-hmm. So the dealers of this side of the pond, you'll know who they are. A man called Alex Chessman, he owned uh, Zoopla, iFilm, and he's now getting into the car world. Yeah, he's following Carvana's model. <laughs> But, um, and it's all transactional where you can just go in and not speak to a salesperson. You order your car online, it turns up, you've got the seven days to make sure you like it, and then it goes back. Mm-hmm. I mean, in March, he had a, uh, an extra investment of 100 million. Wow. A lot of people saying, wow, huge investment on it. Uh, take it to August, he had a valuation on his business of eight. 100 million okay now that's all in sterling so mm-hmm. uh, first unicorn company for a long time in the motor trade <laughs> and everyone laughed at that now this is a company been trading for six months okay um, was still losing money not made a profit but now the same company's got a valuation of two billion now again that valuation wow, has gone huh? through the roof in su- that's, this is in 12 months okay well just short of 12 months there However, here's the interesting thing. Pure clicks and delivery, okay, from mouse to house. However, he's just bought a used car supermarket that has, I think, 16 sites across the UK. Already they found out, and they have the technology. They can do everything, click, 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 and the car turns up mouse to house. I love that phrase. (laughs) But they've found that they still need to have those used car supermarkets, because lots of people still want to come and touch it. They still want to see someone. They still want to go ahead with it. I believe the future will be uh, combined. Hey, we know that because in the pandemic, lots of people were sitting at home in the UK searching that new car. They couldn't go on holidays. Okay, that wedding was cancelled. So they're going to make themselves feel better for that new car. They go oh, through the whole process. That. We're seeing that kind of all over but the, the place, other, right? And the thing that was actually stopping them <laughs> was they still just wanted to go and touch the car. So as soon as the dealership's open, of course. I can come and touch the car. I'm still going to do it. So blended is going to be the future. So, yeah. so then here's my next question that, for you. I actually, I, you know, what? I actually dig that, and I'm, I'm totally for that. So, you know, I think there's a fair amount of people that are listening, watching right now, and and they're shaking their heads up and down. They're agreeing with us. Mm. So, but I know what the next question is going to be with a lot of dealers is, how do I hire for that, Simon? Like, uh, you know what I mean? Like, that's that's a different type of person. So, you know, what advice would you give for hiring that that next generation of car salesmen, knowing that that's kind of the direction we're heading in? Yeah, now, it's the YouTube generation that mm. we're training now. Um, where we hire, people are looking at, well, Instagram, uh, social media, that's the future. So listen, when do we, uh, and I'm sure your dealers are doing this already, but too often I still see a traditional recruitment company gets involved, people turn up for an interview. We think, no, that's a load of shite, that one there. Let's communicate with that person the way your customer's going to communicate with them. So firstly, mm-hmm. on the interview, why don't we ask them to send a short video through to us I like so that. we can actually see how they come across. 
That's where we should start. The interview then should start face-to-face. Hey, there's a laptop. I'm going to sit in the other room and going to say, hey, tell me about yourself and let's see how they communicate. Shouldn't we do that first? And then after that, that, that shouldn't we just turn around and say, hey, great, now we're going to go to the phone call. Because you you know what, even like connecting with people. Get in front of the video camera, they're going to struggle going forward. Uh, How many people get in front of this thing that... they hit the red button and all of a sudden they forget what their first and last name was. Um, but, but I think, but I think that's a great, that's a great way to kind of get a feel for how someone communicates. I mean, look, both of us have been in the car business to know that over 80% of what we say doesn't come out in, the, in our mouths. Yes. All right. Yeah. Our body language says a lot, how we lean in or how we lean back or how we're standing, you know, like it, it tells us a lot of what the customer is saying, but then we are also able to express our intent to want to serve through our yeah. body language as well. And, you know, I mean, right now we're just, you know, we're talking torsos right now. And it's like, <laughs> you can only express so much, you know? So like that, that's, that's a great, great point. I think it's a great way to start looking for people and hiring them is by having them go through that. And then just really asking yourself, do you feel like this is someone that you'd connect with? So when, so the new salespeople out there, this is a good one. I like well, this can story. I just say with mm-hmm. video, I'm just gonna, when you say, can you actually engage with people in video? Uh, because I want to get them face to face. That's a great point. Because you know what? Steven Spielberg does really well getting yeah, people decent. to connect with him in that movie. <laughs> Listen, he's not the only one. There's lots of really good movies coming out of Hollywood. They know how to communicate. We as traditional car salespeople, I, I get people say, oh, no, I'm not going to video myself. I'll show a video of the car, but I'll stay behind the camera. I said, no, No. they're going to see you when they turn up anyway. Don't hide yourself, okay? You can get the emotion through. And in my business, we run a sales training organization. We would do a lot of uh, face-to-face traditional training. We'd get seminars. However, I think all your dealer groups, dealerships can learn what we're doing with our manufacturers. We, We would work with a lot of manufacturers and dealer groups where we have our sales fitness training program. Now, I know lots of people have video training programs, but where they're all wrong is, sorry, all wrong. That's wrong. There's lots of good advice (laughs) out there. But (laughs) so many times I get people saying, they're boring. It goes on and on and on. The manufacturer's training is kind of like sitting there reading a PowerPoint. So all our online sales fitness program, it's like YouTube. Mm -hmm. We have training modules, which are two minutes to five minutes. We send the salesperson a video a day every single day to layer their knowledge. We make sure we take away every single barrier because we're busy in a dealership. There's no logins. People don't have to remember a login, so there's no excuse. Mm -hmm. They can listen to it on their way to work. They watch it on their phone because that's how our kids are actually getting the information from YouTube nowadays. It's exactly the same way. We have the five key, and this sounds like an advert, so I don't mean it to be, but (laughs) what I'm trying to get across there, we've actually changed all of our training and before the pandemic to make it short, sharp, to the face. We all have one of our trainers presenting the information and it is engageable. We can do that. So many times dealers are thinking and salespeople are thinking, no, I just need to get the customer here. Then I can do what I want. Guys, you got to learn this medium. Oh, no. you got to learn so this it, 100%. It, it's a commitment. Yeah, that's what it is, right? Like everything, everything in our industry is about commitment and routines. 
And look, you have to go into this knowing that you're going to fail, right? Yeah. Like yeah. The, the minute you get comfortable and you know that the, your first attempt at putting together a process or your first attempt at, at, at recording yourself on video is going to be atrocious, <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's going to be bad. I mean, I remember the first video I did. I, I, I was, I, I took one of our offices in one of our old buildings and like, right. I painted the walls and I was going to do this green screen and I was going to, I was make the best videos in the world. I'm going to have a monster YouTube channel. I, I got in there. I choked up. I think I was in there for like two <laughs> days. I'm like, this is stupid. This is a waste of time. Like then I had to go, I had, literally I mounted a, a camera in my car and then I just started recording content. But yeah, I, I, you know what? I think anybody out there watching listening, I know we've covered so much great content here. We've talked about the, we've talked about kind of the now we've talked about the future for both the industry and salespeople. But hey, embrace it. Have these conversations. Know you're going to fail the first time that you you, you take a, a a swing at it, and just have fun right now because I think there's so much opportunity out there. But but Simon, before I let you go though, uh, for everyone out there that's watching and listening right now, and would love to connect with you and your company and kind of follow along with your guys' journey as well, what's the best way to do that? And the easiest way is follow me on LinkedIn. So it's Simon Bokert on LinkedIn. And listen, from there, you can have a look at our podcasts, Selling in the Motor Trade. Uh, we're talking about tips and ideas in the motor trade. Um, you can get a copy of our book there, um, uh, Words That Sell Cars there. Uh, go to our website. It's simcotraining.co.uk. And actually go and sign up for a free trial on one of our sales fitness programs. We have five key programs there from the first 90-day people for new starters, the sales masterclass, today's service advisor, the management, but the one that everyone's interested in is how to sell digitally, remotely. So go and get a free sample of that. Uh, your listeners can have that and um, see if there's some ideas they can put into their businesses to start improving their business today. That's awesome. Hey, Simon, thank you so much for taking the time to jam with me today. This has been a blast. You have yourself an amazing day. Thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to the Strategy Mob Podcast with your host, Jason Harris. Don't want to miss new content? Be sure to sign up to be a mobster at strategymob.com to stay in the know. Remember to like, comment, and subscribe.